Support for Criminal comes from BetterHelp Online Therapy. If I had an extra hour each day, I might spend it just being still and reading. No phone anywhere in sight. Figuring out what feels good isn't always easy. Therapy can help you suss out what is most important and make the time for it. And BetterHelp can make that entire process convenient and painless. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash criminal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash criminal. Support for Criminal comes from 1Password. 1Password uses industry-leading security to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. All you need to remember is 1Password that protects everything else. All of your logins, your credit card numbers, bank account numbers, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. Right now, our listeners get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom criminal. That's number one, password.com slash criminal for two free weeks. OnePassword.com slash criminal. You're right on the edge of the Smokies. You're in country that is just on the verge of being primitive and remote, but it's going rapidly to the tourists, to the real estate people. And the air... It's not as pure as it was when I was a kid, when I used to sit on that porch at night with my grandparents, and there wasn't a sound. And to sit there in the dark, I had no idea at the time that that was paradise, but it was. Gary Carden has lived in this exact house in the mountains of western North Carolina for almost his entire life. He's 84 years old. His grandparents built the house and raised him here. I sat with him in the front room. He told me that I was sitting in the same spot where his grandfather's coffin was placed. Because he's been here, in this small town, for so long, he knows stories that others have forgotten. Like what happened in December of 1882, something the Raleigh News and Observer called too horrible to chronicle without a shudder. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. In the late 1800s, North Carolina was trying to build a railway system through the western part of the state. They wanted it built quickly. They wanted to move coal and timber and hopefully make a lot of money. But there was no easy way to tunnel through a mountain. You're talking about manual labor, uh, people using um, picks and and carting the the debris away. Here's Western Carolina University archivist and historian George Frizzell. They're not going to have the kind of mechanized equipment that people are used to today. We're not talking about heavy machinery, earth-moving equipment, bulldozers. That's the reason the labor is so strenuous. In 1877, the state came up with a plan that they thought would both save money and speed things up. And they rented prisoners to the railroad. And uh, the idea of being, of course, uh, you have to feed them. 
six cents a day. And you have to keep them, put them up for the night. And if one tries to get away, you can shoot them. And if one dies, we'll give you another one. The prisons were turned into a business. Not far from where Gary Carden lives, a group of African-American prisoners were leased to the Western North Carolina Railroad Company. They were building a new rail line in the mountains along the Tuckasegee River. They had to manually bore through 700 feet of stone to make a tunnel big enough for a train to pass through. It would be called the Cowie Tunnel. The men were chained to one another while they worked. And to get to the tunnel, each morning, the men had to get on a boat in their chains to cross the river. One morning at the end of December in 1882, it had been snowing and raining heavily. The river was very high, but the guards instructed the prisoners to board the boat. And they started to cross the river. Okay, the bottom of that flat bottom boat is full of slush. Uh, it's water, icicles, just a mix. And it's, you know, a couple of inches deep because it's been snowing all night. And as they go, that slush goes to the front of the boat, and then it comes to the back of the boat, and it's just going back and forth. They think the boat's sinking, and that's the water coming up through the hole. And they get up, and they say, the boat's sinking, the boat's sinking, and the guard said, no, it's not. Sit down, sit down. And they push the guards to the back of the boat, and when they're all in the back of the boat, capsizes. And into the river they go. And, of course, it's freezing cold. But because they were chained together, you know, because I'm chained to you, when I go, I'm going to bring you. And you'll bring the next one because you're chained to them. And it's just boom, 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 boom. And all 19 of them went into the river. There were people on the shore that said that it's the most pitiful sight they'd ever witness is when they're, they'd force their head above the water and then call for help. And uh, they said they heard them call for wives, for mother, for God, for everything. And then it got very quiet. One local paper wrote, it was one of those accidents that seemed unavoidable due to the sudden panic which seized the convicts in the boat. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported that the convicts were drowned by clasping each other like knots of serpents and swept down to the lower rapids, below which they were found by twos and threes tightly clasped together in their deathlock. Nineteen bodies were pulled from the Tuckasegee River. So they loaded a sled, and uh, people who saw them lay... The dead in the sled, it's pretty much like load, loading cordwood. Put them all in that sled and pulled it up the top of the hill, and they dug those three trenches, and then they just kicked them in there. There was no ceremony, nothing. The youngest was 15 years old. The oldest was 52. Gary says the 19 bodies were dumped in unmarked graves and forgotten. What bothers him is that it's likely that the men wouldn't have died if they hadn't been chained together. Why did they have the shackles and chains on? 
kind of, well, the railroad says that's because they're dangerous men. Well, those dangerous men were charged with misdemeanors, every one of them. They were there because they committed crimes like they walked on the highway after dark, you know, or they were found gambling, or they found them behind the store with two other guys drinking. It was not a serious criminal in the whole crowd. After the Civil War, so-called black codes were passed across the South, laws designed to control newly freed, enslaved people. These laws made it easy to arrest black men and women and charge them with felonies for misdemeanor crimes. They could serve five-year prison terms for minor offenses, like stealing a pig or a chicken worth a dollar. Vagrancy statutes made it a crime to be unemployed. Standing on the street became loitering, and walking at night became breaking curfew. They were called, those laws were called the Black Code. And when a little research is done, you find out they're just reinventing slavery. It has a different name. It has a sanction of the government. But it's... uh, Actually, an immoral, unethical practice. In 1870, the prison population in North Carolina was 121. By 1890, that number had grown to 1,302. The state didn't have the resources to manage the incredible influx of prisoners. One prison official asked the legislature to just let some of these men go. But instead... The state put them to work on the railroad. It was called convict leasing, and it happened all over the South. The 13th Amendment abolished slavery in 1865, but the amendment left an exception. Slavery shall not exist except as punishment for crime. Instead of being sent to prison, people convicted of crimes could be leased to businessmen, plantation owners, and corporations. Professor Matthew Mancini writes about the history of convict leasing in his book, One Dies, Get Another. He writes that more than 90% of the convicts were black and describes the lease system as one of the harshest and most exploitative labor systems known in American history. From 1877 to 1891, more than half of North Carolina's prisoner population was working on the railway. They sometimes committed suicide. They were so miserable. They would work until they fainted. And they they knew what they could do if they just couldn't take it anymore. You just dropped your hammer and started walking away, and the guard would shoot you. And there were there's even a story, I don't know whether it's true, about two brothers who just looked at each other and said, you ready, James? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. And they dropped their hammers and walked until... They were shot. The railroad companies promised, quote, very comfortable quarters, meals, and clothing. But conditions were incredibly harsh. One local reporter who visited the living quarters wrote that the prisoners were driven into a row of prison cars where they were tightly boxed for the night, with no possible chance to obtain either air or light, and that the conditions in the camps were squalid and horrifying. After the Cowie Tunnel disaster, the Western North Carolina Railroad Company went back to work. New prisoners were brought in, and construction of the tunnel was completed. 
Gary Carden says he grew up hearing the story as a sort of legend, a ghost story about dangerous felons. That's the way a lot of people in Jackson County talk about it. Well, if you drive through the... Once you go down to Dillsborough, and they've got this tourist trap little town down here, they have a train, and it's called the Smoky Mountain Train. And, of course, it's a tourist trap, too. And the tourists get on it and ride through the tunnel. Well, they come through that tunnel, and there's always somebody on that train that says, you are now coming through Cowie Tunnel. Nineteen men died working on this uh, tunnel. Uh, they drowned in the river down there, and they brought them back up here and buried them on top of the tunnel up here. And that's their tears falling through here that you see. Now, as we go through, there's a lot of water falling. That's the tears of those dead men. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from NetSuite. I've never worked in media before, and it's really fun to see deals come through, especially when we signed with MKBHD and the Waveform podcast. That was one of my favorite shows on YouTube, and I love that we've partnered with him. I'm Christina Ho Rodriguez, and I am a senior manager of revenue accounting at Fox Media. At Vox, I'm not so siloed in my own revenue accounting department. I'm getting to see the big picture of of what the company is working on. In my first year, the company went through a really big merger with another media company, and we switched from our old ERP system to NetSuite. We had to integrate NetSuite really fast. It was very user-friendly right out of the box. Over the last couple months, our team developed a new revenue reporting module that makes our reporting much faster, much more automated. I have a lot of hope with what we can do in the future with NetSuite so that we're able to optimize, make our team a lot more successful, and improve our processes. We're only as good as our best data, and NetSuite allows us to see it all. Discover the power of NetSuite, a leading cloud financial system serving more than 37,000 businesses. Download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash criminal. That's netsuite.com slash criminal to get your own KPI checklist. Thanks to 1Password for their support. It seems like online password requirements keep getting longer and more complex. It's a lot to keep track of, especially when we're supposed to be changing our passwords all the time to be safe. 1Password uses industry-leading security to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. You only need to know one password. That password protects everything else, your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. Join the millions of users and over 100,000 businesses who trust 1Password's award-winning password manager. Right now, our listeners get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash criminal. That's number one, password.com slash criminal for two free weeks. onepasswordcom 
slash criminal. In 1963, the Asheville Citizen Times published an article called Some Believe Cowie Tunnel Bears a Curse. The article goes on to say, Death accompanied its building. Trains have wrecked in it. Cavens have plagued it from the beginning. There are many stories about trains inexplicably stalling in the Cowie Tunnel. Stories about train derailments and of the tunnel caving in and trapping trains. People in Jackson County say they've heard the sounds of pickaxes on stone, clinking chains, and splashing water. We learned about the tunnel from a listener. His name is Al Fisher. He sent us an email saying he'd recently moved to the area from Georgia and realized he was living right up the mountain from a train tunnel that people said was haunted. We asked Al if we could come visit. I said I'd pick him up. We met near a restaurant called Forger's Canteen and drove a few miles before he told me to pull over just off the road so we could start walking. So you'll see the the river is down off the side of the road here on the left. Um, And the river runs right along the railroad tracks, or the railroad tracks run along the river. Um, And this is the river where the men drowned? Yes, correct. He had never been to the tunnel himself, but said he had done some research, and he was sure we would be able to find it. It's uh, hard to get to. Oh, boy. Okay, um, here we go. So So I'm going to take my... Okay. Uh, let me um, let me put on my hat. Okay. We have a hat. We're really going in here. Yeah. So if you if you aren't up for this, we don't have to. No, but, no, no, no. Um, please, please, please. I didn't know that. I mean, I guess I shouldn't have assumed that we would that it would be a paved road. I wasn't prepared to go hiking. We made our way down yeah. a steep ridge to the railroad tracks below. The brush was dense, and it was hot. Al seemed prepared with a backpack. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had brought a first aid kit and extra water. All I had was four extra batteries in my back pocket in case the recorder died. We walked for about a quarter mile down the tracks before we came to the river. So now we're kind of coming around a curve here. Yeah, and well, this, it, the tracks actually crossed the river right here. Um, And then right on the other side of the river is the tunnel. And now we're... We're going to cross the river on the tracks. Yes, and so then you can see the tunnel. That's that's the mouth of the tunnel right there in the curve there. It's kind of dark. Well, don't... Don't break your ankle on this thing. I'm glad there's not a train coming. Can you imagine the run we'd have to do? So we're crossing the river on the train ties, which seem like the safest thing. But so on the other side of the bridge here, the tunnel starts. Okay, so we've made it to the other side. There's the entrance to the tunnel. If we were frightened people, we might think this was a little scary. But here we go, plowing ahead. It looks dark, doesn't it? 
The tunnel looks barely big enough for a train to pass through. It's pretty amazing that it was dug by hand. Well, here we go, into the tunnel. The minute you go inside, the temperature drops. You can feel it. The light from the opening stays with you for the first 50 feet or so, and then it starts to get dark. Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Will you hold that light, light? Wow. Okay. It's getting dark very quickly in here. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing to look at the rock that you can see. Oh. This is kind of wild. Um, that they've really chiseled this rock out. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And now we're kind of... So we can still see the light behind us. Yep. But that will go away. So if a train were to come right now, we'd just get along the side of the wall. I guess. (laughs) After a couple hundred feet, the tunnel begins to curve, and all the light disappears. We stopped. Al turned off the small flashlight he was carrying. It was pitch black, and the sound of the dripping water came from all around. I asked him to turn the light back on. It shone like a spotlight on the rough ceiling of the tunnel above us. You can see all these small dents in the stone. I wondered if they were created by the men who had been forced to work here every day. I've I've wondered if maybe the story is is more it's the the mountain crying to remind us what happened here and um, reminding us, you know, just a reminder of, of the past that was forgotten. For a long time. Forgotten for a long time. And there's the daylight again. Today, the Cowie Tunnel disaster lives on for people riding the tourist train and for those who love to tell ghost stories. There are folk songs about what happened. But Gary Carden says that's not good enough. We owe those 19 men more than that. He wants to find other ways for people to remember what really happened. He's been researching the incident, and with the help of various scholars, he now has a list of the names and ages of the 19 men who died. If I had my way, you would bring those bodies out of there and you would re-inter them in a grave in Dillsborough, and there would be a little museum there of the history of what happened to those 19 men. It's unlikely that the bodies will be disinterred and given a proper burial, in part because there's confusion about exactly where they are. There has been talk of putting a plaque near the tunnel, but Gary doesn't think anyone will hike out to the woods to look at a plaque. And having been in those woods, I have to agree. He wants something in town, something the people of Jackson County will see and talk about. The best memorials, he says, are conversations. Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Susanna Robertson is our assistant producer. Audio mix by Rob Byers. Special thanks to Wilson Sayer. 
Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Radiotopia. From PRX.